You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere, to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. One plus one equals three. What are we talking about this morning? How does that make sense? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. He says, where two or three people are gathered together in my name, I show up. One plus one normally equals two. But when one believer joins with another believer, when one follower of Jesus unites with another follower of Jesus, the two people in the room are really three. There's an unseen, often unrecognized, sometimes completely unacknowledged guest. One plus one is really three. I believe Jesus can invade small areas that Jesus can do, in fact, wants to do remarkable things, big things in small settings. If one plus one is joined by the King of Kings, life should become abundant life, sickness should be made whole. A broken marriage should be restored. A lost son or a lost daughter should come home. When one plus one no longer equals two, big things should happen in small settings. Jesus wants to do big things in small settings. Have you ever noticed how Jesus continually left the crowd. I mean, every time Jesus had a huge crowd of people, he would leave, which is quite remarkable. In our culture, he would have stayed and let it grow bigger and bigger and bigger, thinking that in three and a half years, I can grow the biggest crowd on the planet. But that's not what Jesus did. He would minister to the crowd. He would love the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. He healed the sick in the crowd. He did miracles among the crowd. And then he got in a boat and left. And when the crowd followed him to the other side, he got back in the boat and went back again. Sometimes Jesus went up into the mountains. Sometimes he went in the wilderness. Sometimes he went across the Jordan River just to get away from the crowds, to pray, to be restored, and to invest in a small team of people who would go and change the world. How many people did Jesus touch In the big crowd, probably thousands, maybe tens of thousands. How many people did Jesus touch through his small group of disciples? Not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands, but billions. The world is changed, not through crowds, but through small disciples dedicated to the power and the presence of Jesus. The world is changed by small disciples ways. It's incredible. Life groups. Jesus wants to do big things 
in your small settings. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said that life groups should be a conduit of heaven to earth. The life groups, your small settings of believers, when Jesus walks into the room, it should be a conduit from heaven to earth. Now, I don't know, what, where do you go where you say, oh, this is heaven? Have you ever had one of those experiences? Maybe you're, you're eating some food and you say, oh, this, this is heaven. For my wife, it's chocolate souffle at Epiphany Farms. I mean, she, they, they, they bring out the chocolate souffle. She'll be two or three bites in and just say, you know what, this, say it with me, this is, yeah, I got this picture from a life group, right? This is from uh, the Burns life group. They met at uh, Orrin and Grace Day. Look at that. Now, that, that's pretty close to heaven right there. That was served at their life group last Sunday night. I got, got a picture from our, uh, our executive admin, Veronica, Scott and Veronica, and in Florida, and she sent me this picture, and uh, I'm thinking, man, that feels like hell. I, I want to be there. She's like, hey, this is awesome. This is, say it with me, this is, yeah, and then she sent a picture of a, of a seashell she found on the beach. There it is, right there. So then, I, that's definitely not heaven. That's all I got to say. That's, so, let me say it again. Packers fan, Bears fan, Cardinals fan, Cubs fan, whatever, we know this is true. That every experience we have here on earth where we may lean back in the beach chair, we may take that next fork full of chocolate souffle, and we may say to ourselves, we may say to our friend, we may say to our date or our spouse, this is heaven. Yeah, give it a half an hour. Because this isn't heaven, is it? Have you lived long enough to recognize this is in heaven? You can hardly go an hour without coming face to face with the startling reality that this is not heaven. Have you cried this week? Well, if you have a loved one that just received a terrible diagnosis, you probably have. This isn't heaven. Have you gotten that, act, that phone call about a tragic accident sometime in your life? This isn't heaven. Have you been to the funeral home and stood there for hours shaking hands saying, thank you for coming, thank you for coming, while your loved one was being lowered into the ground? This is not heaven. Have you noticed that? It's not heaven in my life. There's stuff in me that God doesn't want in me. There's stuff I've done. There's stuff that people have done to me. And there's stuff that's just the gunk of the world. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe your own foolish decisions has vanquished heaven's will for you. It's like, man, this just is awful. This is not what God would want for our lives. And you know what? Welcome to earth. This isn't heaven. Sometimes it's in you. Your fault, your sin, your failure, your rebellion. Sometimes it's other people that have violated God's will for their life and they've inflicted it on you. And sometimes it's just the nasty, broken world of disease, chaos, accidents, and loss. This is in heaven. And yet Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us 
you and me, a life group, when one plus one becomes not two anymore, but three. This small setting, this little life group of three, four, six, ten, twelve people can actually be a conduit from, of, of heaven into earth. Amazing. In fact, that is a constant theme throughout the book of Matthew. Here's the passage of Scripture we're looking at specifically. Jesus says this. Truly, this is verse 18 of Matthew 18. It's in the same paragraph where Jesus says one plus one isn't two, it's three. Here's where Jesus starts. It says, truly I say to... Say aloud. Truly I say to... You. Now, this isn't an individual. If Jesus would have been... You know, from Arkansas, Jesus would have been from Oklahoma. Jesus would have said, truly I say to y'all. This is plural you. Right in the Greek, you can tell. This is not you individual. This is you group of people. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking about when you are together, this is a group of you. This is more than one. So he says, truly. Or amen. Right? This is the truth. Truly I say to you all, that whatever you all bind on, say it, whatever you bind here on earth shall be bound in where? See, he's connecting the two through a group. Truly I say to you that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, or moreover, or in addition to that. Let me, Jesus is saying, let me take it a bit further. I say to, say it one more time, I say to... Again, this is plural. He's not talking about an individual. He's talking about a group where two or three are together. Again, I say to you all, if the two of you agree on where? How many live on earth? Yeah, this is not heaven. But as you're here, as you're experiencing life that's less than the life God has designed for you, your family, and your community, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your city, a major social injustice, or a very, very personal need. You say to this going on on earth, you agree here about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with them. See, small settings of people, life groups. Groups of two, three, four friends. Groups of six, seven, and eight around the dining room table. A group of six after a basketball game huddled up together in Jesus' name. Powerful things can happen that make a conduit from God's will in heaven to be accomplished in the mess of earth. Life groups should be powerful life together. More than friendship, absolutely friendship, but more than that, it's fellowship with Jesus. Life together, absolutely, but more than that, the abundant life together, where heaven's will, heaven's life, becomes, through that group, a conduit down to our experiences on earth. Small settings. Jesus gives us powerful words. Jesus tells us that life groups 
should be a conduit from heaven to earth. And that's a theme throughout Matthew. Matthew lays this out more clearly than any other gospel, that there's these two kingdoms, right? These two realms of authority, two realms of existence. There's heaven and earth. And you're probably most familiar with with Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus teaches his disciples, teaches his disciples how to pray, right? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you're a, you're a holy God. You have a holy name. You are the holy authority, totally set apart. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on, come on, say on, as it is in Right, so Jesus lays out this conduit between heaven and earth. That when we pray, right, we are praying that God's will that's in heaven would be accomplished here on earth. That God's kingdom, the way God would want things to be, his mercy, his generosity, his forgiveness, his love, right, his justice, his kindness, his overflowing goodness. God, all that is you and your kingdom Man, make it happen here on earth. Jesus says in the, in, the, in the prayer, the Lord's prayer, that we actually, it's, a, it's when we say be done and come, those are imperatives, those are commands. Think about that. This is weird. Jesus is saying when you pray, command your kingdom, come. You're saying, come. Your will be done. It's, it's an imperative. You're saying, God, may it be done here. I command it to happen. Because this mess of earth needs your kingdom. The pain in my family. Jesus, your will in heaven isn't happening. May it come. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Maybe you're familiar with it a little bit later in Matthew. Jesus is commissioning Peter. So Matthew chapter 16, Peter has just declared, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You remember that passage in Matthew 16? And Jesus goes on to say this. In Matthew 16, Peter says it to a person this time. Peter, I will give you, singular, this is to Peter. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of where? Right? There is a kingdom of heaven. And Peter, I'm giving you keys, access to it. Referencing Isaiah, where the administrator of David's palace, not David's palace, but the king's palace had access to the king, administrative authority to say, you can come in or you can't. He says, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind here in this kingdom on earth, whatever you're saying, this is, need, this is what needs to happen on earth. Whatever you bind in earth shall be bound in heaven, or shall have been. Depends on how you translate it. But what there's this linkage between the two. What is being declared in heaven? Now you are declaring on earth, and it's going to happen. And whatever you loose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. At the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. And now it's his final days on earth with his disciples. In the moments before he ascends to heaven, what does Jesus say? All authority, Matthew chapter 28. All authority. In where? Jesus all the authority of heaven and all the authority on are mine. That God, the sovereign king of all, has given me, Jesus, authority of heaven and earth. It's mine. God has given Jesus the authority to accomplish his will from heaven on the existence in our lives on earth. So go, therefore, he says, you go 
empowered by the Spirit, delegated with authority, to see the mess of earth and say, Jesus, this isn't in alignment with your will, and go make heaven happen through the presence and the power and in the authority of Jesus. Do you get this theme through Matthew? Come on, do you get this theme through Matthew? How many know this is not heaven? But heaven still has a will. God has a sovereign purpose for people in your family. God has a purpose for you. God wants you to experience life and life to its full. That the will that is written in heaven, that the plan God has for you would be accomplished on earth in your life, in your family, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. Ever look around and say, this place is a mess. You ever look around and maybe one of your family members and you're burdened, you're overwhelmed. Oh God, they are not living in your will. They are not blessed. They're living under a disaster. They're heading for pain and destruction. This can't be the abundant life you promised. How many know what I'm talking about? Jesus said, there's a will in heaven. There's authority in heaven. And there's what's happening on earth. And there's this conduit that believers can experience. And he says it's uniquely true with groups. That when one gathers with one and Jesus walks into the room, that life group, that small setting can be a massive conduit to God's will being accomplished in people's lives. Let's look at what Jesus said again. Matthew 18, 18. Here's how we live it out in groups. Truly I say to you. Are we there? Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth. Again, plural you. This group. Whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing. It's not loosing and binding people. It's whatsoever, not whosoever. Right? It's, it's a plural, neuter word. It's not about a person. It's about binding and loosing stuff. You have any stuff in your life? You have some loved ones that got some stuff in their life that needs to be loosed from them or needs to be tied back together? How does that work in a group? How do you as a life group form this conduit between heaven and earth and see the will of God accomplished in people's lives? Well, it's very simple. You get together in your living room as a life group. You form a circle, and you all start to pray, and you, you designate one person in your life group um, to dress up like an 80s tele-evangelist. <laughs> and and, and you, dim, you dim the lights, and everyone gets a flashlight. And you shine it on that designated individual who comes in. you got to carry a big Bible. The bigger the Bible, the more binding and loosing you can do. And you walk in, and you've got to yell really loud. you got to point to people and say, I loose you, and I bind. That's not what you do. Anyone have some stuff that just needs to be loosed from their life? Let me tell you how practical this is. Maybe you're here today, and the words of your father 
from 10, 20, 40 years ago still keep you trapped. It's like there's this stake in the ground that someone has driven into the history of your life and you're chained to that. You start moving forward in relationships, but you, you, you can't. This thing has you stuck. Maybe you've gone through life and things have started sticking to you that are not God's will. The actions, the words, the abuse of your ex. Maybe it's the guilt and the shame. Maybe you were once addicted and one night when you were wasted and drunk, you did some things you can never, ever, ever undo. And that has you bound. You're stuck. You can't, you can't go forward. It is something that has a hold over your life. And it's not heaven's will. You look at yourself, those that are closest to you, and they know it, that, man, until, that, until you're free of that, you just can't experience all that heaven has for you. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's in your extended family, a son, a daughter, or a dad. And you see what has them trapped. Maybe it was a, a trauma, an accident, and since that moment, fear has just compiled on top of them. And now they're wasting away. They're not experiencing the beauty of the life that heaven's will is for them. Heaven is not happening in their life. Maybe it's a neighborhood or a community, a group of people, and you are just burdened. You, you have this perpetual generational poverty or generational lack of education opportunities, and you're like, God, this is not right. It should not be this way. This is not heaven. Something's got them stuck. So it's not about preaching really loud. It's not about using the magic words, be loosed. It's like this. We're going to pray together that what has you kind of trapped and bound, that that would be broken and loosed in your life. And when we agree together that this thing that has you trapped, it's going to loose from you. It's going to fall out of your spirit. It's going to come out of your soul. It's going to come out of your mind. It may take a moment. It may take a week. It may take months. It may take years. But when a life group comes together, it says this issue needs to be loosed in a community, in a group of people, in a loved one, in a person's life. Heaven can connect with earth in life. Maybe something needs to be bound up. Maybe something in your spirit cracked one day and it came out of you. The joy of the Lord. Something broke in you and it's gone. And it needs to be tied back together. To be bound um, means to be tied back together like a shoe that's come loose and it can't walk right. And someone needs to come tie it back together to help you live life the way Jesus wants you to live. It needs to be bound back up, tied back together. Something has left you. The peace of God is no longer there. You're like, no, 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 no. That, we need to bind that peace back to your heart. Some things need to come out of us and some things need to come into us. Right? And there are people in our life that you say, man, you're missing what needs to be bound inside you. And we're going to come together and tie it up. 
there's power to connect heaven and earth in groups. You can do that alone. Of course you can't. You can get alone with Jesus. You be there and you intercede for yourself. You pray for yourself. And that is effective and that is good. You can come to the big crowd and raise your hand for prayer. Come up and pray with a couple of people and that is awesome. That is powerful and that's effective. But in this passage in Matthew 18, Jesus isn't talking about praying with the crowd. Jesus isn't talking about praying all by yourself. He's saying when you all sense what needs to be bound in heaven or loosed in heaven, you sense heaven's will and you see it in, on earth, you can declare on earth that needs to be set free, that needs to be put back in, that needs to be stitched back up and made whole. A life group, a small setting where one plus one is now three and that's where Jesus goes next. You can bind on earth, bind in heaven, loose on earth, loose in heaven and then he goes on to say this, again I say to you, verse 19, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So there's these four dynamics at work in a, in a life group that you don't get in a big crowd. Big crowds don't agree on much. The sermon was too long. I wish it would have talked longer. The noise, the, the music was too loud. I wish it would have been quieter. We didn't sing enough of the old songs. We sang too many of the new songs. You know what? I don't like the pastor's shirt. The chair's uncomfortable. Is it a little hot in here? Is it a little cold? We don't agree on anything sometimes. But agreement with a group of friends where all those distractions are gone, you can find agreement and power in a group of people. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. So there's agreement. There's asking. You've got to ask the Lord on earth. And Father in heaven will hear it. And do it. And he says verse 24. That's an important little preposition there. When you're reading scripture. And the word start, that scripture starts with the word for. In Greek, it's gar, right? That, that word means what I'm about to say is why the first sentence is true. He says, you can, you can, you can uh, come together and agree. When two or three of you uh, agree with one another and you ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For, so he's not going to say, this next thing I'm going to tell you explains why that is true. Does that make sense? You can have the word therefore, that's like this is true, therefore the consequence is this is true. This is the opposite. This is for. This is true for there's something else that precedes it that makes that first statement true. There's an underlying truth that makes that first statement true. So that's where he goes. For, here's the underlying thing where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. So there's this flow of powerful life groups and goes like this. Next slide. Step number one, you align yourselves in Jesus' name. You've come together as a group of two, three, four, six, ten, and you're there to do life together, swapping stories, having fun, playing softball together, going on a road trip, go to a restaurant, hanging out, listening to the kids, having fun in the basement. All of that is great. 
But at some point, someone says, hey, what are we going to pray about? What's going on? How can we come together in Jesus' name? So you bring yourself into alignment that everyone in this circle wants to do Jesus' will. That everyone in this living room, we want Jesus to have his way in our families. We want to raise our kids the way Jesus would want us. We've come together aligned with Jesus. Step number one, then what happens? Jesus said, when you align in my name, I'm among you. So you're having nachos, you're enjoying some Korean spring rolls together, and all of a sudden you shift from food to, what are we going to pray about? Guess who walked in the room? Guess who comes out of the shadows and joins the circle? It's Jesus there. And that alignment brings Jesus' presence, and then you begin to agree. Here's what it looks like. Hey, what do we need to pray about? Well, I'm praying about this job search. I don't, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know if I need to do this or that. I'm confused. And the group together says, Jesus, we want to hear your will. Because sometimes God's will is, you need to push harder. Sometimes it, you need to rest. You ever been in a group of people that keep shouting different advice? You ever been at the altar praying and one guy's yelling, just let it go, man, just let it go. And the next person says, hold on, brother, hold on. You're like, am I letting go? Am I holding on? There's no agreement. But when you're with a group of friends, sometimes there can be this sense of agreement. Like, I just feel God speaking. You just, you need to be at peace right now. And then someone else in the group goes, man, that's what I was sensing. And that's what, and pretty soon, everyone's like, I, I think that's what the unseen Jesus is telling us to pray for, for peace. Other times, it'd be, man, I feel like you need to move forward. You need to be aggressive. Send that resume, go for And you think, well, that's what I was praying to. That's what I'm feeling. Suddenly, there is agreement. Does that make sense? So it's one thing to pray 14 different ways. When you gather in big crowds, you're going to have lots of opinions. But when you are with people who love you, who know you, and are aligned with Jesus, you're listening for agreement. You align, Jesus is there, you find the sense of agreement, and then the fun part. You gather together and you begin asking. Well, Jesus, we just feel my friend needs your peace. Can we just agree together? And you're praying peace together, and guess what? Peace of God that passes all understanding will flood your heart and your mind and guard you in Jesus. There's power in life groups to be a conduit of heaven down to this mess on earth. Let me ask a couple of questions. First, most basic, is your life more like heaven or more like earth? Maybe you look at yourself and you think, okay, God's will be done, uh, you know, in my life as it is in heaven. And you look at your life going, I'm not living God's will. Are you experiencing the abundant life in Jesus? Recognize this. This world is a mess. Lots of people do evil things to each other. And all of us do evil things ourselves. This is broken. It's a mess. And if you're just living life as best as you can, you're just going through one accident after another, you're trying to make the best decisions you can on your own, you live only on earth, you're only experiencing your best will, you're only experiencing the consequence of all the sum of the parts of your life, but there is another way to live. There is a way to live with Your will be done in me. Your kingdom will for my life be done in me. When you yield yourself to the kingdom of God, when you say, your will be done in me, oh, guess what? Guess what happens? 
that life of destruction begins to turn in a new direction. And you begin living an abundant life following Jesus. So maybe this whole talk for you, it isn't even about groups. It's about you. Because you're not living the kingdom of God on earth. You're not living the abundant life of Jesus in your day-to-day life. You are living only in this world. And there's no conduit from God's will into your life. It's this simple. It's called the good news. It's called the gospel. God so loved the world that Jesus left heaven to come to earth to die, took on the form of a human, became mankind, knows the struggle, knows the temptation, knows betrayal, knows the sin of this world, knows loss, knows destruction, knows what it's like to say, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced it all, and he never sinned. Why? Because he wanted to die as a perfect sacrifice for your sin and mine. So you could experience God's will in your life here. Many of you, you're not experiencing God's will, and you need to make that change today. You need to say, the one reason I'm at church today is to say, God, your will be done in me. I give myself to your plan. And you accept Jesus as your Savior. It's that easy. There are two things I want you to do. If that needs to be you, I want you to pray with me. For some in this room, it may be the first time you've ever talked to God. And you're like, oh, this is going to be weird. It's really not going to be that weird. The Bible tells us that God has known us since before we were even formed in our mother's womb. God's known you the whole time and longer. So step number one was we're going to pray. And you're going to talk to God. And I'm going to help you. We're going to do it together. And number two, I want you to fill out on that Connect card that you've decided to follow Jesus and go to Connecting Point afterwards. Because we want to help you. We want to help you recognize what God's will is in heaven and how that can, you know, come into your life here on earth. So let's do step one. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Come on, First Assembly. Come on, First Service. Can we do that? All right, let's pray together, all of us, everyone. Dear God, may your will be done in my life. May your kingdom plans for me be accomplished in my life. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Teach me your will, and I'll do it through your power. Amen. If you prayed that, we'd love to meet you at Connecting Point after service. A couple of other quick things. Number one is this. Life group leaders. Life group leaders. Prayer group leaders. Ministry group leaders. Will you work with me to create this dynamic in your life group. I absolutely want you to do life together. I want you to go on some crazy adventures. I want you to laugh. I want you to tell stories. I want you to just get to know it. Live life together, but make it abundant life, which simply means this. At some point, you just say, man, this has been great. We've been talking about whatever you're talking about. You're going over the sermon notes. You've watched the video from right now media, or maybe you've just enjoyed dinner together, all of that is awesome, but you say, okay, what, 
What do we need to pray about? When you say, what do we need to pray about? You're saying, what's Jesus' will on heaven that isn't happening in your life? What's going on in this realm that just doesn't seem to be aligned with what God would want to do? Is there sickness that you think, man, I just, I, I need God to heal. Is there worries? I just need God's peace. Is there a lost loved one? They just, I just want to pray that they would come to know Jesus. And then in your group, you work to form this dynamic. Jesus, what is your will on heaven? And work to find agreement. Sometimes you're praying for the prodigal, and emotionally you want to say, Jesus, may they come to the Lord right now. But someone in the room, I say, I, 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 I just have a sense that your son hasn't hit bottom. Isn't that a terrible thing to hear? But maybe it's true. And someone else in the group says, you know, as I was praying, I just feel like we need to pray for protection. And someone says, you know, that's what I was thinking too. And suddenly there's this agreement. Okay, we're praying for your son to come back to Jesus. But we know, we think, we feel an agreement. There's going to be some more losses. And we're going to pray that God would protect and surround them and cover them. That as they go down and hit bottom, Jesus would have them and hold them. And then they would come to faith. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you're praying for the sick. And someone will say, you know what? I feel like God is wanting to tell you to be at peace. Can God give you peace through a disease? Absolutely. Can someone may say, I just feel like we need to intercede for healing, that this is a moment where this sickness is supposed to be healed for God's glory. Another person, that's what I'm feeling, that's what I'm thinking. And then you unite together. You understand agreement. So small group leaders, life group leaders, open your group to that kind of abundant life. Where two or three can align, Jesus will be among you, agree together, and then pray heaven as a, you know, pray the conduit from heaven to earth. Will you be that kind of leader? Maybe you're not in a life group. This is my last thought. And maybe you're praying alone. Maybe you find yourself praying alone a lot. And praying alone is good. The Bible says Jesus will never leave us will never forsake us. You can go to the depths of hell, the psalmist says, the depths of death and despair, and Jesus will be there with you. It is not unbiblical to pray alone, but that's not all there is. Maybe you pray in the big crowds. You raise your hand, come to the altar, and there's lots of people around you, but it's really hard to find agreement. You need to be in a life group. Because heaven's will needs to be done in your life and in your community. There are visions and ministry dreams in you that will not be birthed until you sense the agreement of a group of friends. And you say, I got this idea to start this ministry. And everyone says, oh, that's God. And you pray it into existence. If you're not in a life group, here's the steps. It's pretty simple. Step number one, go to connecting point today. And from connecting point, go to growth track. Spend four Sundays in growth track. Meet a few life group leaders. Find out more about life group leaders. Hang out with a host for a month who knows a lot of people, a lot of life group leaders. Say, you know what? I think you would be a great fit. You and your husband, you and your boyfriend, you and your son would do great here. Go to growth track and then find the group. That's all it is. Right up the scale right down the discipleship path of connecting point to growth track to groups. And for some of you, that's where you need to start walking. Imagine 
Imagine if every life group was alive with Jesus. If every life group of six was really seven. If every life group of 12 was really 13. Imagine the ministry dreams that would be born when Jesus tells this group of people, you know what, you really can't go feed the homeless. And they all say, yeah, 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 that's what we want to do. And you pray and it happens. When a life group comes together and say, I'm really burdened for this community of underprivileged children or children that lack the educational opportunities or lack a father. And you say, you know what, I, I think God's calling us to do something about it. And those six or seven people become seven or eight people because Jesus says, yes. And he began to pray, ministry, vision, and dream. Jesus' biggest dreams will probably be unleashed, not from a platform, but around a living room. As people unite together to see the kingdom of heaven come to Bloomington Normal. Don't underestimate the power of a small setting when Jesus walks into the room. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1-A-G-B-N to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.